0: Hello everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi Birth Tales with you all. Relief is just a spray away with Viva La Vulva postpartum healing spray. We take care of down there while you take care of your baby. Viva La Vulva Postpartum Healing Spray is a fresh approach to natural postpartum care for mamas worldwide. Viva Livolva is an all-natural soothing spray that eases the discomfort of postpartum vaginal swelling, soreness, and tears that can occur during childbirth. Because ouch Viva supports new mamas in those very special few weeks after their baby is born. Viva comes highly recommended by midwives and mamas alike, and for a limited time, Kiwi Birth Tales listeners can grab a special 10% off discount code with the promo code KIWIBIRTH when you shop online at vivalevulva.co.nz. Thank you so much Stevie from Viva La Volva for jumping on board and sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your support and I would love for you guys listening to go and check out Viva La Volva when you can. In this week's episode of the podcast I speak with Tanya about the birth of her son Daniel. In this episode Tanya takes us through finding out at 12 weeks that her son Daniel had gastroschisis so if you haven't heard of that Tanya will do a much better job of explaining it than what I will. But basically it meant that Daniel was going to be born with most of his sort of stomach and intestine and guts on the outside of his body rather than on the inside. And Tanya takes us through finding out about that diagnosis and then how her pregnancy was managed and into her birth story, which was just not what it should have been or what it was planned to have been anyway. Um... But Daniel arrived Earthside safely and Tanya was safe as well, which were the main things. But yeah, I'll let her take you through her story. A really awesome episode, totally different to, um, I guess, what we usually hear on the podcast, but really important to share this information. And if you're going through something similar, I think you'll definitely find comfort in hearing Tanya talk about their journey. So... I really appreciate Tanya coming on the podcast, sharing her experiences with us, and I hope you enjoy the episode. I will stop blabbering on now and let's jump into it. Hi, Tanya! Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family?
1: So, kia ora everyone. Um, my name is Tanya. Um, I'm 29 years old, and I have a partner. His name is Tim, and we have a son, Daniel, who's 17 months.
0: Awesome. And what part of New Zealand are you guys from?
1: So we live um, in a place called Tolliga Bay, which is about 60 kilometres northeast of Gisborne. Really rural, we live on a small farm, um, which is about 30 k inland from Tolliga.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys?
1: Our journey to pregnancy, so we um actually fell pregnant really early on in our relationship, um, which was a big surprise for both of us. Um, but unfortunately that I miscarried um that time. So yeah, we worked through that and then um some time passed and we decided that we were ready to try again for another baby. Um, yeah. and yeah, it happened. <laughs> yeah our pregnancy was pretty straightforward I mean getting falling pregnant was pretty straightforward for us
0: awesome and how did you find out that you were pregnant did you have a misperiod or any other symptoms
1: um I just felt like quite sick so yeah I just I, I grabbed a pregnancy test and voila
0: yeah awesome and what was the sort of first trimester of your pregnancy like did you have many symptoms through that
1: um I was okay so I some days I felt a little bit of nausea, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I think emotionally, you know, when you're, yeah, the hormones are all over the place. So yeah. I was, I had my um, emotional days as well and thinking, holy shit, like I'm actually going to be a mum and all of that. But, um, in terms of, um, yeah, the nausea and that I was, I was pretty sweet in the first trimester. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. And what about the rest of your, pregnancy did you notice any other symptoms and did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand
1: um yeah so i had to yeah i had a pretty good pregnancy um yeah i didn't feel sick that often um it was only when i felt tired like i worked pretty much right up until i had Daniel um and like travelling cuz we live so far away like from Gisborne is where i worked and it's like an hour and a half travel one way so some days at the end of the day I did start to feel a bit sick but yeah I just found that it was when I was tired that the nausea would come but otherwise I was fine. Awesome and did you do the sort of
0: 12 and 20 week scans and did you find out the sex of the baby?
1: Yeah so um, everything was tracking nicely Um, I went to my 12 week scan um, and I was told that just the sonographer told me going by the scan that it looks like my baby has what they call gastroschisis what that is is the abdominal wall hasn't formed properly so basically his intestines are growing outside of his body so yeah we found out at 12 weeks that that was what our baby had so yeah that was a bit bit of a surprise yeah so that changed the course of my pregnancy
0: Yeah, and so did you have to have a lot more tests and scans and everything from there, or what sort of happened after that?
1: Yeah, so um, I was sent to Auckland to um, fetal medicine um, to see a specialist up there, Um, and basically all they did was it was just like a more in-depth scan um, just to look at baby to see if he was okay and to look at the bowel. So, yeah, I was having to fly up to Auckland um every six weeks throughout my pregnancy um to see the specialist so that they could check on baby. So yeah, yeah it was it was quite a busy a busy pregnancy on top of everything else. <laughs> yeah.
0: And were you under the care of a midwife or did you have to be under an obstetrician?
1: Um, I had both. So I had yeah. there were actually a lot of <laughs> a lot of people involved. Um so I had my midwife here in Gisborne, and then I had I was also under the obstetrician, who I didn't have to see at that point, um, and then obviously the specialist in Auckland who I had to go and see. And then, uh, because Gisborne doesn't have the facilities to um, take care of my baby once he's born, um, because that's with gastroescesis, they can't do anything until the baby arrives. So the plan was that I would go to Hamilton and deliver my baby there, and then once he was born, my baby would then be handed over to the Waikato team um, to deal with the gastroescesis. So, yeah. yeah, there were a lot of people involved.
0: Yeah, and how did you sort of process that throughout your pregnancy? Obviously, not something that you sort of expected, and I guess finding out <laughs> that 12 weeks is pretty early. So how did you yeah, process that throughout your pregnancy and try to prepare?
1: Yeah, so it was um, a bit of a shock um for both Tim and I when we first found out um this is you know what we had in store for us you know right from the beginning you know they said we had a choice um if we wanted to continue with the pregnancy or not there was never really a choice you know we were keeping this baby yeah I had I had good days my yeah I was pretty positive throughout my pregnancy but every every now and then I'd get a bit down and you know like why can't I just have a normal pregnancy and you know have a normal baby because I knew that you know once he was born well would have to go to Hamilton to have him and then his care once he was born would be in Hamilton so yeah it was a lot to process and I was pretty sweet about the whole thing and I you know I I just, I, I practiced gratitude a lot and you know I was, I was just grateful that I had a baby and like we knew what we were in for so we we yeah. could be well prepared for it once it happened
0: yeah yeah yeah, for sure and did you have much of a I guess birth plan or or a way that uh you were hoping your birth would go and did you know what the process would be once he was born what was that like
1: yeah so my midwife and I uh we kind of put a birth plan together but I didn't really like look to you know think too much into it i I've always kind of believed that, you know, what will be, will be. And from what I've been told from other mums, that, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, it's unlikely to go as planned. Um, but we did, we had, you know, our little piece of paper with our plan on it. And then with the Hamilton team, I had to, because it, I could have flown up there to see them, but I ended up just having like a Zoom with them. So with the obstetrician, <clears throat> the pediatrician, um, and the surgeon. I met with them so firstly just to meet who they are Um, and then we kind of talked about our plan so I was meant to be induced at 37 weeks um, in Hamilton and yeah have baby and then baby will be taken to the surgical team where they would assess his bowels and do what they need to do Um, yeah, yeah so there was kind of a plan but yeah Yeah, you kind of just have to let it unfold. (laughs) Yeah. And did your labor
0: end up starting spontaneously or were you induced? Do you want to take us through that?
1: (laughs) So I was 36 and 5. So 36 weeks and 5 days. And it was my birthday. So I was at home. It was a Friday. So Tim was at work. And we had all our bags packed because on the Sunday... Like that coming Sunday, which was two days away, we were meant to drive to Hamilton, um, and then I was supposed to be induced on the Monday, and so I was at home on my birthday, and I thought, right, I'm just gonna like enjoy my day. I've been like flat out throughout my whole pregnancy. I'm finally on maternity leave. I'm just gonna stay in bed today and just enjoy doing nothing. And then I, well, I had had pain like throughout that week. I thought well they were Braxton Hicks so that week I was like okay these are just Braxton Hicks like you know the tightening the cramping and I was okay so I didn't really think anything of it and then on my birthday you know I was in bed enjoying my the morning of my birthday and then I thought oh like these Braxton Hicks are getting a bit stronger and then my back started to hurt as well and I was thinking oh shit wonder what's going on here but then I thought oh if I get up like because throughout that week once I got moving around they went away and so I got up um what did I do I think I lit the fire I did the dishes cleaned up and my back was still hurting and my cramping was still there and I had been messaging one of my friends who was also pregnant and she had she's got like she had three kids she was pregnant with her fourth and she was going to me dude you need to go to town like just to be safe and I was thinking, oh, maybe it's nothing, maybe I just need to harden up, like, I, you know, I had no idea what I was feeling, because I'd never had a baby before, yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, nah, because, like, we live an hour and a half away, I thought, shit, and I was at home by myself, I thought, shit, i better just, and my parents live in Gisborne, so I thought, oh, I'll just drive to Gisborne and just hang out at my parents' house, um, just to be closer to the hospital. And so... I messaged him and I was like, hey, I'm just going to go to town. Just, I don't know what's going on, but just to be sure, yeah you know, just to be safe, just, you know, with baby and everything that's going on with him. And he just messaged me, okay. And so I chucked my bag, uh, my suitcase, (laughs) my packed suitcase (laughs) in my car. And then I left. So I drove, we live like, it's a rugged as road and it's all logging trucks and it's shingle. (laughs) And so I drove, (laughs) I drove to town. Um, and, I actually had a contraction timer app on my phone and so I thought okay well maybe if they are contractions then I'll just do this you know do the app while I drive safely so I was doing it as my Braxton Hicks slash contractions were happening I can't remember the times now because it was like 17 months ago but um they were really consistent like you know they were the same amount of time and the same time apart um and so I remember driving and stopping at some road works, because there's road works all along State Highway 35, and I was, at this point, I was having to breathe through my and Hicks, so I was thinking, oh, okay, there's definitely something going on. Anyway, by the time I got to Gisborne, I just didn't even bother going to my parents, and I thought, nah, fuck this, I'm going straight to the hospital, <laughs> and so, yeah, got to the hospital, and I just walked in, and I was like, hey, I'm Tania, I'm not really sure what's going on, but... Um, my baby has um and I just want to make sure everything's okay you know like I think I did kind of downplay it because I didn't want to go in there like oh my god I think I'm in labor but I don't <laughs> actually know <laughs> and so they put me on the machine and she was like okay yep something's definitely happening and then the obstetrician came in and she checked my cervix and she was like you're seven centimeters dilated And I was just oh like, my oh, gosh shit yeah and then she was like this baby's coming in Gisborne and it was just like holy shit okay like I was sweet I don't know if she was sweet though because it was just like holy (laughs) fuck now they have to deal with this baby that's got its guts Mm -hmm. on the outside and they're like not equipped to deal with this kind of thing Mm -hmm. so yeah it was a bit of a mad rush and yeah I couldn't get hold of Tim because he was like two hours away further up the coast at work yeah and I finally managed to get hold of him and I was like bro this baby's on its way (laughs) Uh so yeah so I think baby was born like two hours later from the time that I arrived
0: yeah oh my gosh and did he make it did Tim make it
1: no so he got there about 10 minutes after Daniel was born um yeah yeah but yeah I remember being in there it was me and like one of the hospital midwives and she was like, it was just me and her, like the obstetrician was, <laughs> I don't know, probably Googling how to deal with gastro scheggers. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it was just me and her and she was like, are you okay? Is there anyone else you want me to contact? Like, cause <laughs> it was just me and her. <laughs> and I was like, "No, nah, it's okay. Cause I, I knew Tim was slowly on his way and I yeah. couldn't get hold of my mum cause my mum was working like out in the WAPS as well. So she had no service. And so I just texted her and I was like, mum, baby's on his way. I'm at the Gisborne hospital. I'll see you when you get here. <laughs> so I knew when she got service that she'd just come to the hospital. Yeah. And so, yeah, she walked in as I was pushing. Um, yeah. So she got to be there when baby was born, which was really cool. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And was, how did you feel yeah, also... sort
0: of throughout that pushing phase? Were you, did you have an epidural or anything like that? Or was it drug free?
1: No, so it was drug free, yeah, I I just remember like once, because the obstetrician come in when I was to check me, and she was like, okay, you're 10 centimetres now, like, you can push when you're ready, and then I think she left, oh, I can't actually remember, but she was there when he was born, but um, yeah. then the midwife, because I was like <laughs> to the midwife, I don't really know what to do, and she was like, didn't you go to an antenatal class, and I was like, no. <laughs> And she was like, well, when you feel the urge to push, just push. And I was like, I don't feel like pushing. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So I think, yeah, in hindsight, I probably could have waited a little bit longer just to feel the urge um, because I started to push when I didn't feel, well, when my body didn't feel ready to push. Um, But like the pushing was okay. And like, yeah, I learned that at the peak of the contraction is when you push. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I didn't have any drugs and Yeah. I yeah, I just pushed and out came a baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. And what sort of happened from there? Obviously they, like you said, weren't prepared for the gastroscis and um maybe weren't prepared to have you there. So what was <laughs> that like um sort of immediately after he was born and what was the process from there?
1: Yeah, so um once he was born, he they grabbed him straight away so it was just like a gentle birth like I was pushing 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 and then they told me to stop pushing um and then they just like gently pulled him out um and at that point (laughs) I actually grabbed my cell phone and videoed him coming out so (laughs) oh my gosh amazing (laughs) yeah so at Daniel's twenty-first, well, probably not. I don't <laughs> really want everyone to see my vagina, and he probably doesn't want everyone to see him with his guts on the outside. But yeah, so I've got that memory there. Um, but yeah. what they did was they just took him, carried him like to the table where, ever you know, the little thing where they lie the baby, and um, they had glad wrap, and so they just wrapped his bowel. Well, they wrapped the bowel. And it, you know, like around his they yeah. wrapped the glad wrap around his body, um, just to protect it I guess. Um, and then I got a little cuddle with him. Um, obviously he had clothes on and I still had clothes on. Um, and that was only for about five minutes. Um, and then they took him into like their neonate area. Um yeah which was yeah and they put him on CPAP and I guess it was just to make him as comfortable as they could yeah um while the Waikato team were on their way down so obviously they had already contacted the team and to let them know that I was in labour and yeah so they got their flight team ready in Hamilton and they flew down and picked him up um yeah, so that, that he was probably in Gisborne for probably like four or five hours. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I was told that I won't be able to fly with him because I had just given birth um, and I'm a flight risk as well. Um, so we had to decide who was going to fly to Hamilton with him. Um, and so we decided that my mum will go with him. Um yeah. Tim yeah, so mum yeah, Mum flew to Hamilton with him. I had to stay at the hospital um as a patient so that I could fly to Hamilton on the hospital plane the following day. Yeah. And Tim went home to sort the animals and everything and then he drove up to Hamilton the next day, so we all spent our first night apart. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a bit sad, but yeah, it's all good. Um yeah. Yeah, so that was, yeah, so I got, yeah, my baby was born on my birthday, he got his first plane ride on his birthday, (laughs) (laughs) and yeah, I had to stay at the hospital, I was just in the, like in my maternity room by myself, and yeah, it was pretty out of it. But adrenaline, you know, like I knew that, you know, it wasn't going to be a normal birth situation for us, so I knew, so I was okay with it but it wasn't until I was on my own, you know, like I'd just been growing this baby for nine months and I didn't have this baby (laughs) and Tim was gone. Uh, Yeah, I was on my own. So it was just like early in the morning, you know, and you can hear other babies crying and stuff. So yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit surreal. It's just like, holy fuck, what just happened? Yeah, so when Daniel got to Hamilton, then they, he pretty much had surgery straight away. Yeah, so they assessed his bowel and then did what they needed to do.
0: Yeah, and did you sort of fly there and then were you able to be discharged from the hospital and just become, I guess, Daniel's parent in the Waikato Hospital or what happened from there?
1: Yeah, so they, once I I flew there the next day, I was told like, you'll be leaving at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I didn't end up getting there until like three o'clock in the afternoon. So that was pretty shit. Yeah. Um, but I was a patient when I arrived, but like I pretty much got discharged straight away. Um and yeah, so we went and saw Daniel, um, who was at NICU or, um what do you call it, Newborn Intensive Care Unit. Um and then we had to organize <clears throat> sorry, our motel and that was already organized, but we just had to like settle in. Yeah, so when your baby's in NICU, you're not able to stay with them. So, yeah, I became a motel girl for the <laughs> time that Daniel was in hospital.
0: Yeah. yeah, and what happened from there? Was he sort of in and out of surgeries or was the first one successful? Do you want to take us through that?
1: Yeah, so um, with gastroescesis, they don't know how bad the bowel is going to be until the baby's born. Um, so, um, once he was born, got to Hamilton, they assessed his bowels. Um, they found that pretty much everything was on the outside. So like his small intestine, his large intestine, um, his bladder, his stomach, his pancreas, his liver, pretty much everything. Um, yeah. And so, and also what they found was that his small bowel was a lot shorter than the average baby. Um so you're meant to have like two or three hundred centimeters. He only had eighty centimeters. Um and so like with gastroschisis it can either be really straightforward and a lot of people think that, oh sweet, like his gut's just on the outside. Okay. All they need to do is just, you know, chuck it back in and then sew it up and he'll be right. But actually (laughs) it is far from that. Um yeah. the gut's like a really a really delicate organ that doesn't like to be touched or you know handled um and so when it's floating you know outside of the body and in the amniotic fluid like it does there is a risk of it getting damaged um yeah and so some bowel gets so damaged that it twists and dies um and so what that means is when your bowel dies, like your bowel is what absorbs the nutrients. You know, that you need that, you need that shit to grow, you know, <laughs> you need it to be able yeah. to absorb the nutrients so that your body can actually grow. And if you don't have that part of your gut, then you can't grow. Um, and so there are some cases where babies who don't have that part of their gut uh, can't eat, so they for the rest of their lives they're on what you call TPN, which is. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but it's kind of, it kind it's of okay. with the, with the whole, with the, with the big picture. Yeah. So with Daniel, they classed his case as complex gashed Um, and they said that when he was born, like it was really dilated. So it was like really, um, what do you call it? Like swollen, yeah. um, which is a sign of like, you know, it's been damaged. Um, but thankfully he still had sufficient um, gut to be able to function sufficiently. Um, yeah, so once he had his surgery, because his stomach didn't have anything growing in it when he was developing, his stomach was really small. And so they weren't able to put his bowel back into his stomach in one go. Or back, yeah, back into yeah. his stomach in one go. So what they did was they put it in. This thing it's like a sausage, but they call it a silo. And so basically they like put the gut in this sausage and it just hangs above him. And what they do is each day they just squeeze it down so that it gently you know, it gently pushes back into his yeah. um stomach. And so they did that for a week until they got the whole thing back in and then he had to have surgery again to have his stomach closed with it all inside. And so that was the easy part, um you know getting it in was the easy part. The hard part was actually, okay, let's see if his gut's actually gonna work,
0: <laughs> yeah, and how long did you have to sort of wait for that? Did you know how long the timeline might be that you guys would be in hospital and what that sort of next couple of months looked like, or it was just a waiting and seeing what happened?
1: Yeah, so they didn't they don't know like how it's gonna go. it's just a day by day thing. Um, but with the cases that they've seen so far with gastroescesis, they've, the, like the, um, Waikato team, they created, I don't actually know if they created it, but they have what they call this protocol. And so basically what it is, it's like a feeding plan. Um, and so Daniel was fed all his nutrients he needed through that TPN, what I was talking about before. And so what it is, is he's like, he had a line which went into his arm and then it like went into his heart and like it fed him all his nutrients that way. So it bypassed his gut because his gut wasn't working. Um, So he was getting everything he needed through the TPN. And then we were slowly starting him with his um, breast milk. We followed the protocol and he started on like one mil every four hours. Like (laughs) that's how like crazy it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah so he was doing okay like and you know like if they are tolerating it then you follow the protocol and then okay cool he's tolerating this now let's increase it to two mils every two hours and so on and so on so you just increase it as he tolerates yeah and yeah so we did that for a while and the surgeons were just like they were blown away because he was like tolerating but he actually wasn't tolerating and it, he ended up, yeah, really struggling and then they found that he had blockages within his gut and then he had to have more surgery to unblock (laughs) the blockages in his gut. Um, yeah, so he had another surgery, um, to unblock them and then they put it back in and then you pretty much start from square one again. With the yeah. feeding in the protocol, yeah. So they didn't know how long we were going to be there for. It was really just a matter of seeing how his gut could handle. Um, yeah. So after he had the blockages unblocked, gut put back in, then we tried again, and he was like tolerating, but still having some problems. But he was the, like the milk was going through slowly. So the surgeons were like, "We don't actually know what to do now. Like, it's just we just have to wait, and yeah. they just put it down to the gastroschisis with the gut being damaged, and that it just needed time to like heal and to wake up and to start working properly." Yeah. So yeah, that was yeah, that was a bit of a mind fuck, you know. Yeah. Just like, okay, I can't really, you know, <laughs> see where this is going, and then. Like they said to me, Okay, you're gonna we think that you're gonna have to prepare yourself for like a long stay because we can't really do any more. Um, yeah, it's not really getting any better and we just think that it's a time thing. And so they were talking about moving us from Nikku into the PEDS ward, so into the children's yeah. ward, um, where we would stay until he was ready to go home. So that was a That was hard to process Mm. because NICU was, like, amazing. And, you know, I had formed all these great relationships with all the amazing nurses there and and the other parents as well. Um, And then I went to the Peds ward to have a look up there and (laughs) it was nothing like NICU. So I was just like, oh, my God, you know, and I was on my own. I was like, Hamilton's like, what, five and a half hours away from Gisborne. Mm. Six, six, seven hours away from my house on my own like living in a motel my baby's yeah. in hospital so yeah it was pretty fucking hard <laughs> my yeah name and goes. were
0: you pumping or sort of what were you doing from a breastfeeding perspective
1: yeah so I was determined um that my baby was gonna get my milk um so I pumped. um so, yeah, he – I pumped for three months while we were there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he got little bits of my milk when, yeah, he could tolerate it. Um, yeah, so they said, prepare yourself for this long stay. And then they were like – they really looked after us, because I said to them, oh, I'm not going to move to the Peds' ward. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, well, you know n- – we'll keep you here for as long as we can, but if another baby comes that needs Daniel's bed, then you're going to have to move. And so I was like, okay, like, yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, and so we were still in NICU, and the doctors were like, okay, we're going to try one more thing. Um, we're going to put him on this antibiotic, um, which one of the side effects of it is it helps with gut motility. So it pretty much gives you diarrhoea. And they were like, okay, we're going to try him on this to see if it helps. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, like, I'm willing to do, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, so we, they put him on that and like, no shit, within two weeks, it was like, okay, like, you guys, you can get ready to go home now. Like, his gut just woke up, just started working. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, it was, it was really amazing. Um, and then, yeah by the end of it i was like exclusively breastfeeding him <laughs> yeah
0: oh, incredible yeah. and how did you sort of like i don't know i mean to me i just sort of sit here and think wow i can't even imagine sort of what that's like as a mother so how did you process that from a mental health perspective and and not being able to be with your baby all the time and sort of not what maybe other parents expect or you would have expected initially to have happen after your birth so how did you sort of process that and what was your mental health like after he was born
1: um I was okay like yeah I practiced gratitude a lot you know and mindfulness and you know like I I was grateful that I knew about this early on in my pregnancy so I did have a lot of time to prepare for it um you know, I was grateful that I had a baby, he was alive, you know, like, he, he wasn't a 100% yet, but I always knew, you know, that we would get there, yeah, when I first found out, I was like, oh, god, thanks, universe, like, this is so <laughs> difficult for this kind of thing to happen to me, but I looked at it like, you know, we were given this baby for a reason, um, and, like, he's, he's special to us, and, you know, like, yeah. we were given him because, you know, this is, he picked us to be his parents and yeah. we were given him because we're strong enough to, to handle this and yeah, it um yeah, it really it really strengthened mine and Tim's relationship and it also strengthened our family relationship, which was really cool. But yeah, in terms of my mental health, I just knew like if I felt sorry for myself, you know, if I played the victim, poor me, poor me, like <laughs> I was just gonna send myself into a dark hole yeah Um, you know don't get me wrong I did have my days where I was sad I you know I come up with strategies to kind of deal with it and just yeah I just needed to be strong for my baby yeah Yeah. and I knew that everything would be okay in the end it was just a part of our journey yeah
0: awesome and how did you sort of feel leaving hospital and going home and was there anything that you needed to Sort of be cautious of going home, and was there a concern that anything could happen when you left the hospital, or once you left, was it sort of just everything was okay from there? What was that like?
1: Yeah, so once, so they kept us in Hamilton until they were 100% certain that he was ready to go home. So he was off all medications, um he was, oh, sorry, apart from the antibiotic, they kept him on that for a little bit just to help with the gut. But yeah, once once we were discharged like that was it oh sorry we so we left Hamilton and Daniel and my mum come up for a few days because I had my car there so I drove back to Gisborne um mum and Daniel flew back the next morning um and then we were in Gisborne or Gisborne hospital met the team there and they wanted us to stay the night and I was like look we're more than ready to go home we just spent 98 days in Hamilton (laughs) and like yeah I'm pretty sure like they wouldn't have released us if they weren't happy with us going home and I don't think like there was any more that the Gisborne team could do um and they they understood they were like okay but if anything anything happens you need to come back but we were sweet so yeah we went home um yeah so the surgeons he just said you know like there's there's always going to be a risk of his gut um twisting yeah so there's yeah but and then there's signs to look out for so like if he vomits green if he isn't pooing um if his breath smells like really badly like poo um, or if his belly gets really distended like really really like bloated um, then he needs to go immediately to A&E. Um, yep. But, yeah, that was basically it, and we haven't seen any of that. Um, Daniel's been amazing. Like, he's growing, like, really well, you know, so, which is really cool. Um, he's able to eat everything, which, again, is really cool. Um, and he poos like a champ, so... <laughs> <laughs> Who's is, yeah, celebrated in our house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and in terms of follow up, um, we meet with the paediatrician at the Gisborne Hospital every six months. That's yeah. pretty much just to check in and see how we are and for me to raise any concerns that I might have. Um, but we've been sweet. Like, I have no concerns at all. Um, and the surgeon, He is meant to see the surgeon every six months. But when we saw the surgeon, he was so happy with how he was doing that he doesn't want to see us again for another year.
0: Um, Oh, awesome.
1: Yeah, and the last time I met with the paediatrician, she was like, okay, I think I need to talk to the surgeons, but I'm happy for you guys to be, like, discharged or, I don't know, taken off. You know, so we don't require any further follow-up um because daniel's yeah he's doing amazing so that's really cool
0: yeah awesome cool and is there any advice or sort of i guess yeah words of wisdom that you would give a mum who might be in a similar situation to you so i get a few messages on the podcast um whether it's about gastroschisis or another Condition that they've found out about their baby in their pregnancy and sort of struggling to deal with that and wanting to find, yeah, maybe some common stories or situations. So, is there any advice that you would be able to give to a parent out there going through something similar?
1: Yeah, so what I did um, earlier on, because they say, like, don't Google it, you'll just freak yeah. yourself out, blah, blah, blah. Of course, I'm going to Google it. Like, I want to know every <laughs> single thing about this. This is my baby. Um, yeah. But I also, when I was on Facebook, I found a couple of, like, parent support groups, and I found, like, they really helped. Um, sometimes they kind of freaked me out as well, though, you know, like the worst-case stuff. But yeah. it was nice just to get a, a big picture of, you know, like the, the possible outcomes um, and to know that, like, you're not alone. And there are actually yeah. a lot of other people out there who, you know, have – similar stories or are going through similar things um and from that facebook page actually i connected with a lady from tauranga um whose daughter has gastroschisis who had gastroschisis when she was born and so she was there like seven years oh maybe like five years i can't remember now but i think her daughter's like nine now um so she was in niku for like nine months and so On the days that I was really struggling, I'd message her, and yeah, she was like, you know, she helped me so much. Like I am so grateful that I met her and connected with her because, yeah, you know, like you have your family, and oh, how is he? How are things going? Yeah, and all you can really say is, oh, he's doing good. We just have to wait, you know. Like this is just, you know, you can't really like say, oh, his bowels distended, you know, like they're doing a contrast to see. Mm-hmm. you know where blockages are so it's nice to be able to talk to someone who understands what you're going yeah. through and yeah so yeah my that would be my advice to try and connect with others yeah so Facebook's pretty good for that um and also just yeah practice gratitude Eh, like just be grateful you know and Smiles, like just even smiling like can turn your whole mood around yeah I found that as well yeah but yeah that's yeah just be grateful man because you know there's other people out there that have it so much worse yeah always be grateful always always be grateful for what you have yeah
0: yeah yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us. I think it's a really interesting one and not one that I've shared on the podcast before. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey and it sounds like you guys are just doing so amazing and it's so lovely to hear the outcome of your journey. So yeah, thank you very much for sharing with us.
1: Cool. So, um, before I leave, I just have a special announcement to make that, um, Daniel's going to be a big brother. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we're very happy to announce that we are expecting baby number two um, early November at my 12-week scan. Um, I was quite nervous going into it because, obviously, that's when we found out that Daniel had gastroschisis, um, yeah. but I am very happy to announce that our baby's guts is on the inside this time <laughs> round. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you all.
0: amazing thank you for sharing and congratulations (laughs) I think that's the first pregnancy announcement I've ever had on the podcast so thank you
1: (laughs) awesome (laughs) that's very
0: cool congratulations thank you Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you enjoyed it. Another massive thank you to Viva La for jumping on board and sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your support and it makes a huge difference. So I would love for you all to go and check out Viva La on Instagram. I will be sure to tag them in the post.